0: Welcome to the Taiwanese Diaspora Podcast, where we use personal storytelling to connect people of Taiwanese heritage from all around the world. I am Cynthia, and I'm excited to use this podcast platform as a way to explore what it means to be Taiwanese X. This is episode 48. Wow. Judy, I hope you forgive me. This was an interview we did in July of 2019. We were at the Boston Public Library, and you were about to leave for California I think you had just graduated from Tufts and I had just come back from a trip and then I very soon after I was going to go through some a pretty difficult time so I'm glad we were able to connect then I've been dragging my feet on editing this episode just given the timing of when we did this recording in any case if you're listening. I hope it's a fun little time capsule for you And maybe we'll have you back and you can tell us on what you've been up to the last two years.. 大家好, Time capsule, okay, okay. So then Judy, welcome today to the podcast. I'm excited to get to know you. So, so, thank you for reaching out. So, let's start off.
1: Um, How? <laughs> okay. Um, first off, it's just. Um, I think it's just really funny because I want to reach out to learn more about you and then now I'm being interviewed, Um, but so I'll I'll, I'll introduce myself in English first. Um, So my name is Judy. I am from Taiwan, Um, so we're sitting here in Boston, Mass. I just finished my four years of undergrad at Tufts University, and prior to that, I lived in China for uh, 14 and a half years, so... Uh, My whole family, so that means my parents, my grandma, on my mom's side, my two younger siblings, and I, the six of us, we lived in China for for 14 and a half years in Suzhou, China, which is about two hours outside of Shanghai. Um, So we moved as a whole family in 2002. uh, in 2001 but my dad started going there a little bit earlier in, in 1997 initially down in the south in Dongguan and then set up his second facility in Suzhou uh, and so we were part of that initial early wave of uh, what they call Taishang, so uh, pretty much as Taiwanese expats but specifically Taiwanese expats in the manufacturing industry slash tech industry um, and so Growing up, a lot of the other Chinese people were execs from uh, Acer, for example, or Asus, or BenQ, when BenQ was still a company. (laughs) Uh, Logitech was also big. Um, And then my dad was a little bit different. He was not an exec. He was um, starting his own business um, in pulp manufacturing. So using recycled paper, that means recycled newspaper or recycled cardboard, um, to make Uh, packaging for consumer electronic products so it's a substitute for um it's a substitute for styrofoam so uh, that was the reason why we moved our entire family to China um and uh growing up uh growing up when we went to international school um, rather than going to Chinese local school so that was what set up set us up for the path to um, naturally, for our education in the US, and so it was all, almost taken for granted that that was the path. Like we're going to go to college in the US, so I did that for the last four years, and then now I'm here. That's me. Thank you. Okay, let's
0: do that in Chinese as well.
1: Okay. <laughs> 大家好，我的名字叫啊我我的名字叫Judy，我的中文名字叫做陈听植，但是我的家人都用英文名字给我称呼。呃，我。Oh, 我刚从Tafs University Tafs大学毕业 快 美國文化, 然后, uh, PSO, so 高级的中文或是你可以选 um, don't know Spanish 或者是汉文那我我没有选中文 <音><音> yeah, um, that's a really good question. Um, I uh, say so <laughs> that's a really good question. You know, our international school was Suzhou Singapore International School. It was Singapore because it was founded in an industrial park in Suzhou that was funded by the Singaporean government. So from grades one to five, our Chinese textbooks were actually Chinese textbooks from Singapore.
0: But Singapore
1: uses fan yeah. They use fan yeah. But then we would be, so we would use we'd learn pinging taught by Chinese teachers, and then learn content from Singaporean textbooks. And but your we, teachers were Chinese. Yeah, oh, right. Right. so that was really odd. Um, and then, but the thing, and so that's that. Um, so in school, I, we, I never knew muffa Like, never knew that. But at home, we had satellite hooked up to Taiwanese channels, so all our cartoons, or our TV, or our news was like Taiwanese Chinese, and Taiwanese like Taiwanese TV does I think does a really good job of subtitling everything. So I learned that, and then all the books we read at home were from Taiwan. So I yeah, so I loved writing fan tizi and I was also kind of anal about a lot of things when I was young and so I'd get in fights with my teacher over the fifth grade um in Chinese class um and she was a nice teacher but I would write in traditional Chinese in for they the class assignments like that, huh? um and then the thing is I would mix back and forth because I learned both so it's not always consistent and then she got mad and she was like and then and then I, and then when, at one point she was like well stop writing that And I was like, well, that's Chinese. And then she kind of compromised and she said, Well, if you learned this word in my class, then you write that in simplified Chinese. If it's if it's words I didn't teach you, write it in traditional. You know, because you've learned that before. But if you're in my class and I taught you this, write it in simplified. And I didn't give You know, and and I and I don't, you know, I I was like, I don't give a shit, you know? I was like, this is Chinese. You, don't tell me what to, you know you don't get to tell me what to do yeah. Um, yeah so I definitely was a little bit anal about that
0: Wow, okay so that must have been a really unique experience I just recently learned of the term third culture kid mm-hmm. but it sounds like you probably had like fourth or fifth culture mm-hmm. <laughs> as well mm-hmm. um, I don't know what was your childhood like then mm-hmm. like, where were most of your friends in er- like who who did mm-hmm. who were your classmates yeah mm-hmm. And what did yeah. you do after school
1: yeah uh, so I was um, so yes I definitely identify as a, as a third culture kid even though I think that terminology is I think people are thinking more about what that means and kind of the uh, implications there right because a lot of people they grew up to be third culture adults um, but also how do you quantify third or fourth and fifth culture um, and also that third culture kid seems to somehow be exclusively used for um, expat populations or um, international school populations or populations that are a little bit more privileged um, and have more agency than, say, being forced to immigrate or whatever. Um, and so a lot to unpack there, but I do still see, you know, but I think as an easy way, like I do identify as a third culture kid. Um, and growing up, it's interesting that um, when we first got, there, um, there were a lot of Taiwanese people. And then the Taiwanese company started tying off. <laughs> so we had we started having less Taiwanese students. Um but all my all my friends up until fifth grade they were Taiwanese. Wow. Yeah. So the top three population at my school um in, in the early days there were a lot of Taiwanese people and a lot of Japanese people. Um, and then about high by the time we got to high school the top three population was number one was Korean. And then number two was Taiwanese, and then number three was American. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, but growing up, I was uh, definitely, yeah, like, our compound was only, our apartment that we lived in was only for expats. Um, when we first moved there in Suzhou, there were only two compounds you could live at if you were an expat. And so... Like, what lying. if you wanted to
0: not live on the compound? Is that... I don't think that was possible. You just wasn't allowed
1: to. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, and so... Also, surrounded by a lot of um, surrounded by a lot of other Taiwanese people. And so, those are all my friends. Um, and then it was starting about the fifth, and we would talk in Chinese. And um, it was about, um, it was when I got to middle school that I had a complete shift in my friend group. Um, and I started speaking English with my friends, and then had an entirely new group of friends. Um, and I think that was also when I started feeling. More detached from the Taiwanese community at my international school, which is small, you know, it was about less than 100 people per class? per class. Yeah. Um, and uh, what we did after school was um, I think I had, in many ways, a very sheltered, you know, I, in some ways, I think I had a very sheltered um, childhood. And part of that was, um, uh, you know, we lived on the other side of the town, and so it was about 30 minutes drive to school but then during morning rush hour it would be an hour by bus and so it was very much like you get shuttled shuttled to your school and then after school you get shuttled back and then if you're staying after school for extracurriculars then also there's another shuttle back to the opposite side of town Um, and so yeah so there's a lot of like family time being at home um but having two younger siblings definitely made it really fun <laughs> um and yeah yeah that's i guess, me growing up yeah cool um, um what else do you want to talk about
0: i have college and mm, some of your thesis stuff um mm, that i'd be interested in hearing about mm, but anything about anything else about china or I guess how often I did know. you go to taiwan while you were living in if your whole family was in china did you still visit taiwan very often
1: yeah so we would go back every like every holiday um so winter break so we had two winter breaks actually we had christmas break for all the western students and faculty and then we had chinese name of break because we live in china so both of those we would go back to taiwan and then through the summer we'd always go back to taiwan Um, so we went back really often um and Yeah, I went back to the European, and then my family left China about three years ago. So by the end of my freshman year at college, they decided to um, close up their facility in Suzhou, move the whole family back to Taiwan. Um, And part of that was just because uh, the the economic opportunity in China isn't as huge anymore for their industry, and also... My grandmother's aging, my parents have their own health issues, that just would require more regular hospital checkup, um, and so they're back there now. So it's odd, because I often think about um, how I... It's weird, because I sometimes I, d- I identify strongly with being Taiwanese, but also with their been a lot of times where I would distance myself from being Taiwanese, and I think part of that was to be able to kind of distance myself from the ignorance I had. So one, what I mean by that is, um, what I mean by that is, especially thinking about for first year of college, you know, coming here and people like, oh, like tell me about Taiwan, and then my instinct would be like, well, actually, I didn't grow up there. I spent you know 15 years in china so i don't super know what it's like to be young in taiwan kind of thing so um but instead of me researching that or like trying to be curious about like oh yeah like what do Taiwanese young people do um i was just like no it's okay like i'm not going to talk about it because i don't know um but then people would say oh so like do you like feel chinese like do you feel more attached to china than to taiwan i'd also very viscerally be like no like, I'm not, like, I'm Taiwanese. <laughs> um, I'm not Chinese. Um, and I don't know anybody um, in my circle from international school who would identify as being Chinese if they're from Taiwan, you know, because we were in such a bubble in international school. Um, and so it's weird in some ways. I feel very much attached to Taiwan, um, even though I still oftentimes will be like, I'll make their own about it, or um, or I just never grew up there, you know. So I think that's uh, yeah. That's really interesting.
0: I think the the first and second generation nomenclature gets mixed Mm. mixed up. But I consider, I guess, like by the definition, I'm second generation. I I don't know about immigrants. Oh, okay. So I guess like the immigrant generation is supposed to be the first generation. Mm. Although people also try to say the first generation is the generation that was born here. But regardless, there is this identity thing that (laughs) sometimes is interesting as well. Mm. Because I remember, I mean, right now there's this whole, you know, like, I don't know. This is probably not something you guys had to do. But when we were growing up, they they would, uh, I mean, even now. So in the U.S., they do a census Mm -hmm. every 10 years. And one of, I remember in elementary school one time, we had one that got, that we took home with, or no, I guess it got mailed to us. But We had a check like, what sort of Asian you are.
1: Oh. And so there's no box Mm. for Taiwan on there. Mm. And so actually right now there's
0: a movement, I think, amongst, at least on Instagram, where Mm. they're, like, saying, like, write in Taiwanese Mm. for the census, because there's another one coming up. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I guess that's just, like, interesting, because you can be, or identify as Taiwanese-American. Yeah. But. Yeah. I don't feel fully Taiwanese. And I don't feel yeah. fully American.
1: <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: yeah. Um, Where was home for you? Maryland. Okay. So outside DC. Yeah. But I feel like I was. I think. I guess like the way I reason it now is like I was raised in America. I was born yes. and raised here, but raised by parents of um, who were brought up in the Taiwanese mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. then it was like they're trying to teach us how they were taught so i feel like there was like sometimes like a little time warp
1: yeah huh
0: i don't know i don't know if you guys felt that
1: yeah i don't think i don't think so yeah but what but what do you mean by time warp like they want to recreate their experience onto you yeah there's elements of
0: that yeah so i'll be like oh well i didn't you know um so for example my grandmother was really strict with my mom Mm -hmm. and so therefore my mom would be really strict with us Mm -hmm. even though like it's a different we're in a different place Mm -hmm. um school is different their expectations so like socially it's different Mm -hmm. so one one thing that i think i (laughs) it's always been a trip on my Mm -hmm. children is i was not allowed to go to sleepovers and that's a quintessential american thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yep. it was, I don't know, it's like yeah. somehow in Taiwan, yeah.
0: at least my mom said that she was not allowed to go to sleepovers, and therefore yeah. we couldn't go to sleepovers. Yeah. I don't, well, yeah. You had a really like, interesting sure. reaction.
1: Yeah. Well, so I mean, I think this is like, uh, <laughs> I think my parents are very, for, I think for their generation um, and for the circumstances in which they grew up in, very... Open-minded and and rather progressive, like they were very hands-off with school things. They were not strict. I had I had no academic pressure from my parents, pretty much, um, and um, so you know my dad, you know he was the first person in his small town in Taoyuan to go to college. Also, he left early um, to go to high school at Jiansong, um, so like. Very much non traditional in his family, and then like he tried to get a PhD abroad, um, and then you know, life took him places. And then my mom also, like, not quite traditional, like, um, she actually did undergrad in Japan. Wow, um, and part of that was because she was not a very academic student in Taiwan, um, she went to like a technical high school thing, and so wasn't gonna go into a mainstream university anyway. Because of the way the structure was set up, and so she kind of like took a gap here, and then she was like, "Actually, I'm gonna go to Japan." <laughs> um, so, oh, it's so cool. Yeah, So i of them had interesting experiences um, that are not quite like that are not very traditional and haven't formed their views of raising us. But the the whole like um, sleepover thing. I don't know if that's the case for you, but like we could host people. <gasps> oh my gosh but we can we can go somewhere else oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 so it's like they want to come over yeah because they like playing like they are very hospitable they like playing host you know and then also they can keep an eye, an eye on, on you. you yeah but then like going oh like going sleeping over I did that a few times only in high school like in a late high school with like my best friend you know um and a lot of that was because uh you <laughs> know, My dad my, the, the line my dad loved to say. My my sister asked for more of these. My sister pushed for more social things than I did because I was like, there's no need to fight. Like I'm going to college like all of my life, you know. My sister fought more. Um and one thing my dad loved to say wasn't <laughs> oh, to <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um, yeah, or yeah, another okay. thing was uh it's like, and, or it's like, well okay, then like let's hook you up with the friend and let's hook you up with the friend's family um and she's and, and then he was well, um just, uh okay, just okay send the opinion the Bama. Okay, transgender are. So quite quite a gen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 如果我們, <laughs> 要, 要, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um that was yeah. Yeah. Um so and what and, and do you think like that was one like a lot of these things that like you considered American, you wanna you weren't able to participate, um and did that make you feel less American or?
0: I guess, you know, like my vision of America is what you saw on TV, right? Mm -hmm. Like Full House or Mm -hmm. whatever. I don't know if you guys got these TV shows, but they're like very American Mm -hmm. (laughs) TV Mm -hmm. shows. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I think there's just like certain things that I wanted to do that I felt like I had to do extra. I had to um, present extra justification for.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: uh, Versus. If I look at my friends from school,
1: Mm. it was an
0: automatic, of course you go play after you get home. You don't have to do your homework first. You go play while there's sun outside. Or, you know, um, you want to play a sport in high school? Mm. Cool. Like, you can just sign up and go. Mm. Like, I basically had to beg my mom to let me, like, join, like, sports teams. Oh, wow. Um, And so it was just interesting. I think, like, the priorities were Mm -hmm. probably different, Mm -hmm. and I think that's, like, what I Realized was mm-hmm. the Chinese versus American, mm-hmm. Taiwanese versus American sort of mm-hmm. thought. I mean, it probably rooted in the fact that the Taiwanese school system is very yeah. much academically yeah. score-based mm-hmm. and not yeah. holistic.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
0: I figure like, um, if you guys were at an international school, it would probably be a different yeah. model.
1: Yeah, and I think another thing is because in within an international school, it's so we're a bubble of our own and so they trusted the school and so everything within the parameters of the school that's fine because then you know you get shuttled back home it's not like you're gonna go play out it's it's not just hanging out with friends you know it's it's a programmed thing it's at school so therefore it's okay (laughs) and and then someone's gonna shuttle you back you know and so um yeah um I think one thing that I am curious about is, um, so you're saying that you feel like not completely Taiwanese but also not completely American, Um, and I think about how I feel Taiwanese and I feel American. Um, even though I've never grown up in Taiwan and I've never grown up in the U.S., I grew up in China. Yeah. Um, and so I do feel both of that. And I think with America, it's really just because I feel so at home here. And that was also part of so much desire when I was growing up. You know, I thought we were going to immigrate here earlier. I almost came here earlier for boarding high school. Um, I have so much fantasy wrapped up in here. But also having lived here, I do feel committed to the U.S. And then Taiwan, because that's where I'm from, you know, and that's yeah. my family, that's my grandma, um, and so I feel Taiwanese and American, but I definitely don't feel Taiwanese American, and I don't feel Asian American, because that's not my story, um, and so it's funny, that oh, I can that's fear. interesting, yeah, what does Asian American mean to you? Um, Asian American means, um, I don't know, so, it doesn't mean anything to me because i'm not part of that but i do think about the kinds of common stories that people do talk about um and some i can relate to but i think on the whole it's a very different struggle and um, like immigrating to a new country is different um we spent a lot of time in china but we didn't immigrate we still had you know it, you know we, we you know we were we had the choice um, to go back, and now we're back in Taiwan. Um, the you know, China is different culturally, but at least it's better, you know, Like uh, it's easier to get, get by, you know, same language, or whatever. Um, and so a lot of the struggles I don't feel, um, and specifically about, um, I'm also thinking about, like, representation and, you know, like, my right recently, the big few movies um you know crazy rotations or I, I watched um the farewell the, uh, no I want to watch it yeah I watched the trailer for that and then there's the Ali Wong one the, uh, always be my maybe oh yeah yeah, like yeah on, like on Netflix. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. um, and so and people saying like how amazing that is um and I totally agree but it's like that's not my experience for example that's, that's not, not my story. experience yeah. like I never felt un- I've never felt viscerally unrepresented because I grew up in Taiwan I grew up around Taiwanese media a lot and then when I'm here it's very much like I was an international student you know it's like I kind of knew my place I was like I'm here on certain visa restrictions and I love it here but I mean like it's not my story um and so uh so yeah so I guess I um yeah I wonder what I wonder if you have any thoughts on that um, and whether those stories, you know, like you feel, like if you feel neither fully Tony or fully American, do you feel fully Tony's American? Um,
0: yeah. Okay. I feel like that's like an easier identifier. Okay. Um, but I think both for when you are, so it's interesting, mm-hmm. I guess, like for both when you're talking to external people mm-hmm. and like, even now in the U.S., you can be in a major city, and there'll be people on the metro who'll mm-hmm. be like, where are you from? Mm. And it's like, or like, oh, do they have trains where you're from? You know, I, I got this the other day on the on the Boston T. Oh. And I was like, well, I don't think they're trying to be malicious about it or anything. I think it's just, I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. Mm. Um, I did, uh, I worked in Beijing for four months. Mm. And... Mm-hmm. It was also the same thing where I'd be like speaking English with my co workers and we'll be in a taxi. Mm. And then the taxi driver will be like, Where are you from? Like, mm. your English is really good. Mm. And you speak Chinese, mm. but you're not Beijing. You're not Beijing. Because I don't have the Gen Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the and so then they'll get like, Oh, you're a Nanjing man. But make well a because... <laughs> it was <a> oh <laughs> so my I'm God. like I don't know how to react to that. It yeah. was I mean just like That's, an interesting yeah. sort of Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like here yeah. it's like oh, it's just easier to say, I'm Taiwanese American. Yeah. And then people are
1: like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's I think it's when you go abroad that it gets I think, yeah, I think obviously racism is not dead in the US but I think in major cities that we've been around and this kind of circles that we're around, um, it's there are easier ways to kind of not explain yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but abroad, um, but it's a little bit more... Uh, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, how did you respond to him? Oh, I think... I mean, I'll, be, I'll just be like, Oh,
0: I was in the United States, but I was Taiwanese. Oh, <laughs> And then they'll, and then that will lead into a whole another discussion, and then I'll just pretend I didn't know what they're talking about. Because then it'll be like, oh well, you know, it'll into oh, Taiwan is Oh yeah, 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 know? And it becomes that kind of conversation. Yeah, 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 I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can avoid it. Um, it's funny because like.
1: Um, I like because we're in international school, that really wasn't a problem. It really didn't. Br- it wasn't brought up, and like sometimes there were conflicts with ch- our Chinese teachers. But again, like for the most part, you could just avoid conflict because you know, like we were still China was still our host country. There's no 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 need to instigate like any conflict. But um, but that you know it's, you know it's like so I think now every once in a while like people will say oh like oh the Taiwan I'll talk with Hong Kong or something like that, and then like I just smile and nod. It's like okay, got it. But we have a de- democracy, and you don't. So who's laughing now? You know. Um, or um, I don't think I've ever said this, or I, I haven't said this recently. I think it's mostly in jokes. Where if they like, right now, like if someone says, "Oh, this is wrong," I'm like, "Yeah, what's song wronging Gore." They only get the difference. Um, yeah, yeah, and hmm. uh, yeah. It's it's funny because, so actually, funny story. I think. So my dad, he was actually part, he was actually, he's a businessman, he's been a businessman for the last 20 years, Um, but he actually in his 20s was part of uh, a political party, (laughs) so he was part of uh, Amazing Bang. he was part of the DPP, um, fighting for democracy, and obviously he has no political affiliation now, and he thinks both parties are equally good, slash equally bad, (laughs) Um, but that's his political affiliation. When he was younger, yeah. and, and so oftentimes he'll ask me, he's like, hey, Judy, in, like tough, and say, oh, you have um, because I think some, there tough, been cases of some are American colleges or universities, have that and you know having that you know the Chinese students protesting like hey like why is recently Uh, I don't know about recently but he sent me something like from I think I think there's something from the University of Maryland or something like that where it's like it's either like a discussion about like Taiwan and China or maybe there's like a Chinese student uh, association putting on an event or something and then the student being um some Chinese students being like that shouldn't be allowed and then I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't super know the details. Um, but you know, he has read some of that, so he, he, he often asks me like, "Oh, do you ever get that um, in the US, whether from Chinese people or from like the university or Americans? Like, you know, you're Taiwanese. Like, you're not Taiwanese." And we're like, no, "No, no, that's fine. Like, and I've never had that." And then he was like, "Okay, so, so如果有人跟你辩说台湾跟大陆是同样的，你可以这样子回答." And then he, like, put on his, like... And then he said this in, 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 in English, in his, like, Taiwanese accent. And then he was, like... One way to explain it is um, uh, the Republic of China is Taiwan. It's not the... Uh, Taiwan is the Republic of China, not the People's Republic of China. In People's Republic of China, they eat dog. In Republic of China, it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> In um, head, I didn't know what Xiangzhou was, oh and
0: somebody God. had to explain it to me, and I was like
1: horrified. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a funny illustration too because, like, I, I didn't do his accent that well, but it was, it's like it, it was so funny when he said it, and it is technically true. It is illegal to kill dogs for food in Taiwan, um, but then and then right, like, and this is in. And then this is in response of if someone ever accuses us of not being a real country, then it's like, fuck you. But then, and again, this is me kind of speculating, but I imagine that in the dialogues here, um, among Asian American dialogues, that's super not PC. Because then it goes down to that whole entire stereotyping of Chinese people eating dogs, which is very not kosher yeah. here, because that's not true for most people. You know, it is not true for, it is not true for the majority of Chinese people. Eat dog like that's and then and then obviously with Chinese Americans and that perpetuous stereotype that puts them in another um disadvantaged position and so it's the kind of thing where it's like that is so funny that's so true and because I am Taiwanese who grew up outside of the U.S. like that's funny and like I'm happy to, to shout that joke but it's very inappropriate and and frankly irrelevant um if I'm speaking with um Asian Americans but that's between like Chinese and Taiwanese Americans because they're American and so it's not about dog eating and they're not caring about like Taiwanese democracy and Taiwanese sovereignty because like they're American yeah um but yeah but I keep thinking about how like that that just that joke would not fly (laughs) among um circles here for good reason (laughs) Um, yeah yeah that's that's true yeah, and I was like, he was like, 他们跟你变,就这样变回去啊。Just, <laughs> you
0: have to, but otherwise you can't stand up for yourself. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, 我觉得我在北京做的那几个月 <laughs> was like, yeah. not easy. Huh. And I thought it would be, I don't know, I thought it would just be a lot more,
1: mm. I thought we would have more similarities and differences,
0: but I felt a lot more, like, I definitely felt like an outsider mm. <laughs> all the time. Mm.
1: <laughs> Were you able to make, um, um, like how were your Chinese friends that you made? So I was working for the U.S.
0: government when I was there, so oh, most of my wow. colleagues were American. Got it. And so actually, the circle that I met was mostly like Taiwanese <laughs> Americans oh, in China. Interesting. Wait, that's so interesting. Yeah. So I joined like the MIT alumni network. Mm. I had a Taiwanese. Oh, well like that, So I went to the MIT alumni network, but there are a couple people there who are. Either schooled abroad mm-hmm. or also like mm-hmm. Taiwanese American who mm-hmm. were there mm-hmm. or like um, Shangang, mm-hmm. but it, it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, been dealing.
1: Yeah, okay, got it, got so, it, got it, got it. Yeah. Right. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, were you expecting that you would find more cultural similarity? Yeah,
0: I don't know. I, I guess I didn't.
1: So, the oh,
0: okay, Got it. Okay. And, so, and my mother, my dad is a oh, oh,
1: really? Yeah, yeah. Cool. 陶人, oh, Oh, it's funny. My, my dad, he said his name was so who? He So Oh, cool. Oh, wait, yeah. So this is part of yeah. my reason we want to do this is because yeah. I don't know any very much about my
0: family
1: history. Mm, okay. I Yeah, it's fascinating yeah. to
0: know more.
1: Yeah, so But like this whole... Yeah. So why what... Yeah.
0: Okay. I like the 90s or the 80s, mm-hmm. 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 他好像, maybe mid-2000s? I oh. yeah. uh, okay. Well, I think so. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't know like why he joined. Because some of the books I'm reading are like, oh, there wasn't enough food, so you just kind of join the army, or like uh, the, each one, whatever army was passing it. through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the details. Um, mm. So anyway, when I was in China, I was like, I, don't, I guess I was expecting more that Beijing is the capital of China, mm-hmm. like. I don't know what I was expecting to learn. I mean, when I was like expecting to, do, I wanted to go do energy work, which is why I was with the government because that was my job, and I was going mm-hmm. to do like. Bi- I wanted to do like bilateral energy policy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But getting there, I was like, I guess I was expecting there to be more time. Like shouting, Taiwan's yes, you don't get that in Tao. You早上 like I got sick, <laughs> but I can't <laughs> so so was like... <laughs> oh, I was so bad so bad the food. Oh. oh and then my sister was sending me these articles that was so shocking comment up um jiaozi里面有可能有時候會塞 like like what uh, <laughs> so i don't know i just didn't okay. feel safe like, eating anything i felt uh, like i was always angry all the time because like uh, people were just kind of rude <laughs> and so like actual uh, jian the whole everyone was like squeezing or so with like bust this all don't you know it's uh, just like all this like stuff that i just felt was like you were raised with, at mm. least from, or you wait it's is saying, but I think it's just maybe Taiwan. Mm. Um, mm. I don't know, Taiwan Keqi was a child, yeah. it, it. Yeah, was
1: not there.
0: Mm. <laughs> so, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that is a very big difference the hospitality. But um, I'm thinking about how I haven't been back in China for three years and I don't know what will bring me back um, and part of that is because all my friends were I like we're all in a an national school so everyone's all over the place and the teachers also I think the the I think the average retention is either three I think we three to five years is average retention so like most of the teachers I care about are not there anymore. So I'm, I'm just always, I'm, I'm curious what will bring me back um, and whether, and and whether, and, and how I'll think about how people treat, yeah, I, I'm just curious how the social interactions will be because I'm, my interactions were very much mediated by international school, you know, um, and also, like, I don't know, like, we'd go out, you know, like, so, like it, it was mostly, you know, like, through international school and like service people. You know. Yeah. So um yeah.
0: Can we switch gears a little? Yes. Yeah. And talk about college? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: what would you like to know? What was your college experience like as an international student? Mm-hmm. If any to kinda of touch about it a little bit. Yeah. And you're telling me about your thesis. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be something fascinating to hear more uh, about
1: okay um, we'll start from the end I guess with the thesis I feel I don't know what I feel about it um, I feel very proud and also feel very disappointed wait I talk think. about your topic so my topic was um, so this is my the- senior thesis for the-, the department of anthropology and the, the ending title was um, being humans at work through the discourse of culture among uh, culture and tech workers in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, so it was me being fascinated by, um, there are a lot of reasons actually, um, By the main thing was I was fascinated by um, what tech companies seem to be doing with creating community at work. I think that was what I was first sort of drawn to, is like, wow, like how I was very interested in I still I am in intentional community making um, and how can we make belonging and make homes and bring people together. Um, and I think that's a thing that you see a lot of people doing in college, right? Some groups and all of that. Um, but also that's kind of a, that is something that I want to carry along with me in life. It's all, you know, a, as a philosophy of, of what connection means. And so it's really cool to see that within the work environment. It's like, wow, they're making community. Um, and then also all these, you know, uh, so where work becomes, yeah, like where work is about supporting you as a human as well, not just a worker. Um, and then I was drawn to the culture of tech companies. Um, and then after that, I was drawn to the discourse of culture. So not and so afterwards, I was like, wow, it's so interesting. They, they keep talking about it. They don't. They're not just talking about what company culture is in a descriptive way but they're theorizing about what culture is you know they're you know for example for some people culture is a tool oh interesting what does that mean you know um culture is uh you know for some people they say you know culture is the only competitive advantage your, your company has um culture as a tool for recruiting um but then also people talking about culture is about diversity and inclusion and if culture is just all about the bottom line that's you're not doing culture right and they all have this kind of the meta-discursive level of that, that was most fascinating. Um, and then I also knew I loved, and loved the Bay Area. I still do, you know, and I want to be there. And so it became a thing of like, wait, okay, I love the Bay Area so much and I want to go into tech, but do I love it too much? Um, so let's do research about that. Um, and so I did that last summer. Um, and How did you do your research? So it's funny because like, I, it was kind of all over the place in some ways. Um, it was. Uh, I did a lot of um, a lot of interviews, uh, and then with tech workers, HR, or so yeah. So it was uh, interviews with tech workers, interviews with um, uh, people who were in HR tech, people who ran cultural consultancies. Um, so, kind of, and, or, or just like, uh, and among people who worked at tech companies, there were people who were technical workers, like software engineers, all the way to um, non-technical people, um, and also a scale of big um, companies and people who were uh, technical founders. So, a lot of interviews, and then I was working part-time, uh, I was interning part-time with this woman who runs a company called Human Side of Tech. And so it, she teaches HR workers and people ops workers design thinking skills to apply to their culture work at work to improve their company culture. Um, so that gave me a lot of like um, that gave me a lot of framing, and that also gave me some ethnographic detail of the work that she was doing. Um, And also, there there were a lot of events that were happening. There was one big culture summit conference, all about culture, (laughs) that I went to that was very helpful, and then, like, a bunch of HR events. So, kind of, yeah, so methodologically speaking, a lot of interviews, and then a hodgepodge of, like, participant observation that was not based on one site, but based on um, events and internships. So, kind of, like, hodgepodge together. Um, And so... And I think there was a lot of, like, I didn't take the fieldwork class until the fall that I came back from the summer, so I kind of really just had to, like, do it, um, and I kind of wish I didn't. I I, don't, I wish I was more prepared. I think I'm still very glad of what I did, um, but I just remember in the fall, you know, learning about the formal techniques and being like, man, I wish I knew this, you know? Like, um, so, yeah. So, it. I, yeah and what were some of your conclusions do you make conclusions in
0: anthropology or yeah there',
1: there some conclusions I don't, I don't think I don't think they're as strong as I wish they can be but um, it was the very high a very high level like a very high level thing um, it's not very, it's not as specific. yeah it's not super specific but a high level conclusion was that yeah um, all this talk of culture—it's not just—it's not just another language for HR. It's not just another language for organizational behavior or industrial organization. It's not—it's not just a jargon change. Um, it still means a lot of different things, but it's more than just a jargon change, and it's also more than just organizational behavior. In fact, it is a response to how we should, a response of what it means to be humans at work, given um, the current trends of um, more of the work being automated, and also um, people wanting more flexible work, and then people trying to find, again, making more meaning out of work, so rather than a thing, it's a a vehicle to understand and to make sense of what kind of, yeah, what does it mean to have a life at work? so that's a very high-level takeaway. Um, but, yeah, I still feel like I want to work on it. Again, like, it's done. I, I got my degree. You know, I submitted my thesis. I got my degree. I did really well. Um, but even now, I'm just like, I feel like I could still think more about it. And I don't know if I will. You know, it's like, it's, also, it's okay to let go. You know, that was just an the undergraduate thesis. But it definitely is something that, is still sticking, in my, sticking around in my mind and especially as I'm, you know, like looking at jobs out at Tank of menus in the Bay Area. So what sort of job are you looking for? I am looking at a lot of business development and sales de- development roles. Uh, I'm also looking at, at hodgepodge of design-related roles. Um, so design, that would mean, you know, design research or research coordination. Uh, and open to a lot of other... so and then there's another third section that's just like a hodgepodge of roles that I think are super cool whether that's in operations or marketing um, but at the end of the day it's just I want to like get my hands dirty you know, I want to do something that has high impact yeah, that's my little rant about my thesis yeah but yeah, college was nice uh, it was four years <laughs> um, studied abroad, studied abroad in Chile for a semester doing it, which is fun. Um, uh, so, it's, you know, what we like to say among like, my friends who are international is that it's like double abroad and we're abroad in the U.S. and then we were brought again for a semester. Talk more about Chile. Yeah. Um, Chile was oddly, it reminded me of Taiwan a lot. So we were in Santiago and Santiago, like Taipei, is um, surrounded, by, like, the mount, surrounded by mountains and Santiago, like Taipei... <laughs> and Chile in general have a lot of um, they have a lot of young people who are staying who live with their parents until like they get married <laughs> that kind of stuff um, until like their late 20s uh, or even late- later than that so that was really similar um, and uh, I definitely find- another thing that I kept saying I found similar was um, this I wouldn't say anxiety is the right word but this being a but that kind of grappling with the fact that both are countries that are developed and very developed especially when you consider them in the context of their surrounding countries um but you'll go to places in the country where people are like way more developed <laughs> so in taiwan like sometimes people are left laugh- you know someone's like wait taiwan is developed you know especially if you leave the, the uh, leave the capital um and then same same with chile and so for some reason i think at that economic macro and impersonal level i definitely found a comfort in that um so yeah it was really nice to be out there i remember i was really burnt out sophomore spring and so junior fall went to chile and so what that meant was that i was away from the u.s for 10 months from may all the way to late january the next year it felt good to be out of the u.s and then now this right now it's the longest time I've been in the US I've been in the US since the beginning of the semester which is late January all the way till now and usually I'm not here in the US for summer but I've, I've been here from late January to now late July and this week I've been feeling like I'm like I'm itching to go somewhere you know I'm itching like to go back to Taiwan earlier but I'm not doing that because I'm waiting for my OPT so I just get that before I leave the country and um, and I was, I, and I was just like wow like I am so like narrow-minded now I'm not getting enough stimulation from non-american things and usually I get to do that every five months every four months and then now it's like oh my god it's like six months and it's like I don't need to be any more American than I am like let me like think about new things and like i live in Medford um, which is my Tufts. Um, but I spent a lot of time in Cambridge and Somerville, and I love Cambridge and Somerville. Uh, and it's nice to, you know, hop on the bike, and there's just the red line, just the superior line. Um, but it's so comfortable. I'm so comfortable. Um, and it's so comfortable here. And, and I'm just like, wow, I need to sink in a different way. Like, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of itching to get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But,
0: Do you think you're going to... Work in the U.S. for a while, or do you think you'll ever go back to Taiwan to work, mm-hmm. or anywhere else, Europe or? Uh, yeah. Um... And then I guess for everybody yeah. who isn't familiar with like the complicated
1: visa process, oh. <laughs> what is OPT? <laughs> um, OPT is um, op- op- optional practical training. It's a um, one-year work allowance that's attached to your student visa um and so i did a ba in anthropology so i get one year OPT. um but for folks who did a bs um which is more stem degree um you get three years um, which is funny because there are some bs degrees that aren't there are some bs degrees that are not actually stem you know you can do entrepreneurship at a business school yeah like babson or you know I'll get a bBA bba is a ba but um yeah, I know some programs that do entrepreneurship with a BS, which is interesting. Um, so that's the process I'm in. Yeah. Do you think you want to do graduate school? Yeah, down the line I do. Um, so in terms of, I do want to take advantage of OPT. So I want to be in the U.S. this year. I do want you know, I do want to work in the U.S. I do want to live in the Bay Area long term. Well, I, well I, I want to live in the Bay Area for a year. I've been there seven times in the last ten years. Um, anywhere ranging from one week to seven weeks. But it's different living there from, you know... You get like, to deal with the traffic and the yeah. expensive rent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I can't... Keep, but also the national parks. Yeah, I know, It's amazing. Yeah. But it's like, I, I love it so much. And so if I love it so much, and I should really live there for a year to know if I actually love it so much. And yeah. if I end up hating it, that's fine. But I got to, you know, do that. Yeah. Otherwise, I keep, I keep raving about it, you know? And so I do want to be there. I think depending on my family's house. I definitely am not ruling really on the possibility of going back to Taiwan for a few years. Yeah, I might have to do that or might want to do that. But I also do want to live outside of the countries I'm most familiar with. You um, know, be lovely. It's the discomfort. Yeah, exactly. It's yes. like, I think it's I've yeah. been too comfortable. I've just, yeah, like, I think in many ways, like, like, right now, this summer, I'm feeling a little bit too comfortable. Like, there's that all, all of our job search uncertainty, but it's still pretty comfortable, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been too, I, I, think, I think it's, yeah, it's been too comfortable. Even just the last four years, I think, on the grand scheme of things. Like, I want to be challenged more um, in terms of jobs but also like lifestyle and so a job can be challenging but if i'm living here i mean it's culturally very comfortable and socially very comfortable um i would love to live and work in israel for a bit it's, it's been on my list for a very long time why israel i don't know i have an odd fascination with israel and, and jewish culture <laughs> um, and jew but most of the jewish culture that i've known have been through Um like Americans rather than Israelis but I I think it's probably because I had a pen pal from Israel when I was in middle school so that kind of set the seed I would love to do that and I think and that one thing I keep saying is I think for a non-American kind of sufficiently American and I kind of love the U.S. I shouldn't be any more American than I am (laughs) so I think I should get out when I'm young Um, but I do want to take advantage of OPT But um, I think in my twenties it'd be nice to live somewhere else. Again, I'm I'm already American enough. I should leave when that's still not set in complete patriotic stone. You know. Um, Thank you. Yeah. For the interview. Uh, Thanks. Anything else you want to say? It's funny because like I. I feel like it's like part conversation, but also like part interview. And I'm just like, I'm rambling so much. Um, but, it's okay. Uh, We're going to cut it down to like. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's more work for you. Um, yeah, nothing to say. I think I've shared enough. I'm, I, I want to know about you, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> off the mic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. Good luck to you. Wherever you end up
0: next, we should have another conversation. Yeah, and we can talk about have, <laughs> if it's met your expectation
1: or what yeah. else you've learned. Oh, one thing I do want to say—I don't know if you feel this actually. So Taiwan is very Japanese influenced, um, and also my mom is very Japanese influenced because she lived in Japan for seven years, and then growing up in my in our compound in China, initially we had a lot of Japanese um, expats, and also our Like the our nearest supermarket um, in our compound was a Japanese supermarket, so like, and also again, so like a lot of Japanese influence from all different parts of my life growing up, Um, and then coming to the US, I don't get homesick super often. I I usually get homesick about like midway through the semester, or like once every two and a half months, I'll get like, pang of homesickness, Um, but usually when I feel homesick around here. I go to a Japanese restaurant. Which one? Whatever is nearby, you know. It's usually around Davis because, like, that's where I oh, usually
0: spend bit my stuff, time. Like by Porter. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no
1: Porter's good. Um, or like I, you know, Harbin has some nice ones. I've been to Cafe Sushi like twice. I don't like ramen's nice. Anyway, but like I go to a Japanese restaurant. I seek out Japanese food. I don't go to I don't go to Chinatown, you know. I don't, and, I'm, you know, I've been to Taiwan Cafe a few times in Chinatown, um, and, like, it's, it's okay, but it's definitely on the better, I think it's on the better side. I um, mean, it is a little bit more Taiwanese, um, and so I don't go to Chinatown. When I get home, it's like I, I seek out Japanese food, and I think it's because one of all the Japanese influences growing up, but also here there isn't a large Taiwanese population, so all the Chinese Food, it's, like, Chinese food from China. And so those aren't things I crave anyway, you know? What do you crave? All things. I mean, like, if it's Taiwanese food that I crave, it's, like, very Taiwanese things. Like, lian'u, for example, which is a... That's hard to get here, though. It's hard to get here. Exactly. is, um... I think it's wax apple. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you know, like, I can't... You know, so, like, there's no ding tai feng here. But it's, again, like, I would crave... Like, I would crave or like there's some other Taiwanese things like uh, like Taiwan Nian Taiwanese rice cake is different than Chinese rice cakes it's, it's different than Korean rice cake as you know or like there's some things like uh, gi, I don't know if you know Gizang I don't even know how to say that in Chinese Gizang is Taiwanese and it's a kind of like again like a it's, a it's also wrapped up in leaf but the inside is almost jelly-like it's a kind of rice-based thing but it's almost jelly-like and um, like a golden translucent color um, and it's a very much like a summer snack, and you dip it in honey. And I don't even know how to say that in Chinese, for heaven's sake, you know. And that's what put, that's more of a desserty thing, but like those are the Chinese things I crave. I crave um, the li- uh, liang au tang, or dong tang, you know. The ha-ma tang. and then the Chinese restaurants here don't have it. And so when I do eat Chinese food, obviously there are some things that are common throughout, like ganmen suji, though. You know, I love and it's easy to find that here, and a lot of other things, Um, actually Zoe's, uh, there's Zoe's by Porter, that's a pretty good Chinese restaurant, and there are a lot of things that's familiar, but it's like, and and my rationale is when I go to a Chinese restaurant, those are also things that I don't don't super identify with, you know, and so whereas Japanese food is almost more comfy (laughs) for me, you know. Um, Do you cook? I do cook. Why do you cook? Um, I cook all over whatever I can stir fry things uh, I don't know I made tacos for four meals straight
0: last week
1: I um, made some caprese pasta yesterday very uh, international Yeah, I made, here yeah I made like a ginger Chinese what's uh, it called ginger Chinese eggplant the other day and then today I just had some hokuliao put that with like Chinese ramen and then had like Chinese chili paste for lunch. So it's kind of all over that the place. Delicious. Yeah, but like a lot of, you know, but like my go-to, if I, it's a, like a lazy meal would be, you know, if I come back really late and then like there's is all of food, I'll eat a of tofu with soy sauce and rice seasoning. Or I'll eat... Um, but that's more Japanese too, right? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. Japanese. and Or like I'll do a mug of miso soup, which is also Japanese. Or I'll do cha pao, uh, cha pao fan. What's tafau fen? I don't know. I have, How do you make it? Tafau So I, I buy the packet because that's what we grew up eating the packet. But it's, it again, it's like rice. It, it, it's a Japanese thing. I don't know if you've had it fan. It's like. I love this one, It's pretty much white rice and then you pour tea on top of the rice and then there's rice seasoning. Do the Koreans also do that?
0: I don't know. Okay. Because <sighs> my mom, I think my she's mentioned it before. When we go to Korean restaurants, You they give you. Um, the cast iron bowls mm. of rice. The honey fancy one is so all it has like the rice stuck on the side. Oh. And the Koreans will put like barley tea in it.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah,
0: my yeah. mom my mom like loves that, but I no- didn't know where that came from.
1: So mm. I guess thank you
0: for mm. shedding light on it. Yeah.
1: And like I love it. And like that's that's like an easy meal. It's so, like you got rice and you just put that on and then you eat it. Um and so all of those like like either the comfort foods when I'm missing home or the easy go-tos I, I do at home. Or like oh another easy thing. I don't even you know like natto i love love natto, but i i don't know if you can buy can you where do you buy it here like
0: h-mart h-mart has it okay yeah i only discovered it when i was living in california oh
1: my god oh it's so good and it's like a lot of japanese people don't like it either and so that's also another comfort food and it's all japanese which is so funny because i very much identify with being taiwanese um and then chinese food is definitely way more similar to chinese taiwanese food than japanese food is taiwanese food um You mentioned at the beginning,
0: you have um, the Japanese influence. Can you talk more about that? Japanese had colonized Taiwan for a period of time, and they did a lot of developments in terms of infrastructure and, I think, education. Mm -hmm. But maybe you can talk more about that and the Japanese influence on Taiwan and then your mom's
1: experience. yeah that has like what's it yeah like, bringing. i think the i think like the big picture stuff like Taiwanese, has got like the colonization like that's pretty much it they were in taiwan for 50 years and then yeah there are people who went to japanese school uh, either they learned japanese in taiwan or you have the elite taiwanese that were able to go study abroad in japan so like li Hui, the first democratically elected president of taiwan he studied abroad in mm-hmm. japan I think he was in the military, and then he was favored, and that's why he got sent over for school. Um, with my family, they weren't rich. Um, yeah, like they weren't rich at all. My grandma just had like a satcho at the end, like a grocery store. Um, but then my mom's father actually was an exec at um, like Tongi, um, which is like a big food company, um, and then he had actually um, learned Japanese growing up yeah it's Um, very common in that yeah um and so he was part of you know so my 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 grandma just grew up in the countryside you know but then my but for her but my mom's dad had very different upbringing. so i think there was also perhaps for her that's another reason why she was drawn to um, to japan and yeah so there's that there's that and then now obviously it's like you can easily buy japanese things in taiwan and then you know made in japan is a Premium as well. All the medicine we eat in Taiwan is this Japanese. All the stomach medicine that we had were from Japan, like Wakamoto or like I don't know. Yeah, so like even just it, so it's very much not a specialty thing. It's very integrated. It's like you go to a regular supermarket and the Japanese imported products, and so that's that. I guess my question, the, the the what I wanted to ask if you feel the same way is that I. Wonder Mm -hmm. if that's the same if I were to live full-time out in California, especially the Bay Area, because there's so many – like, there's a big Taiwanese community there, and it's easier to find actually Taiwanese restaurants and Taiwanese people. So I wonder if out there I'll still seek Japanese food as a comfort food, or is that just my response of being in greater Boston?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so – You'll have to report back, because I would say just the one thing I miss the most about California is – well, two things access to parks, yeah, and put that together with weather, yeah, 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 um, and food. And I would just mm. say, like, I can't brave enough about just how authentic mm. the food tastes like, not just Taiwanese food, but Korean food, Japanese food, yeah. Afghan food. Like, there's all these regional ethnic foods across the area, like the whole Bay Area, like different neighborhoods, and it's like all really good, yeah. Yeah. And there's, like, yeah. a lot of different varieties of it, too. And yeah. so you're in for a treat.
1: Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it, it is very different. And I think that's... I mean, you've lived here for so long. and But I always
0: still go... Like, I miss Taiwanese food here. I don't yeah. know. I don't cook very well. So oh. I'm going to take tips from <laughs> um, you. But I'll go home and I'll get, like, a suitcase full of food with my mom yeah, like, makes yeah, her, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, just... Yeah. Yeah. There's something about home cooked meals that just feels really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I think my thing is, I don't, I I tried not to demonize the diversity here because the greater Boston area is quite diverse. Um, Again, like not Boston specifically, but the greater Boston area. It's just, you kind of have to go, you really have to go to the suburbs. Um, And so it's not visibly there or it's not as accessible. So, but I don't know, but like, because you've spent more time here. I don't know if you had the chance to go to more suburbs and go further to explore. When like, I was a student, I didn't kids. have a car, so I didn't go anywhere. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Thanks, we can stop here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank, yeah. You. yeah
0: thank you. thank <laughs> you. And that's it for today. Please send me a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at twdiaspora, or shoot me an email. It's hello at TaiwaneseDiaspora.com. And if you or other people you know have stories that they'd like to share on this podcast, please send them my way as well. Some of you have asked about how to support the show, so if you are inclined, go to coffee ko-fi.com slash t w d-i-a-s-p-o-r-a to donate. And if you like to read, check out my book recommendations at bookshop.org slash shop slash T W D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A and 10% of the proceeds will come back to support the show. All right, see you next time.